Hey, good morning, everybody. It is great to have you here. Welcome to East Brainerd. If this is one of your first times joining us, we are uh, grateful for your attendance. Glad that you are in Chattanooga if you're just passing through. Or if this is where you call home, we would love also for you to call our church family home as well and feel, feel like you are a part, you're a part here. You, you notice the flowers and pumpkins that are up here uh, surrounding me. I appreciate the gobbles leaving these uh, for us uh, to enjoy. Yesterday was the Miss Beautiful pageant. It is a, a great day for uh, special need young women, and it's a day for them to be celebrated. And so we've had over 60 volunteers who were here yesterday. There were 15 young ladies uh, who were celebrated, and uh, many of you participate in that in different ways, and we thank you for that. Uh, appreciate all who have poured time and effort into, into this particular event, and um, again, just to be able to host that. It was the um, eighth annual event. We look forward to, to number nine taking place next year. Um, just be watching social media. I'm sure you'll see different pictures and things from, uh, from the day. It was just a beautiful opportunity with these young women and their, and their families, and so we um, enjoy some of the flowers and the leftovers because um, it is fall time. The leaves are beginning to change, and everything is starting to get a little bit cooler. We're even going to have a big uh, fall celebration this afternoon beginning at 3 o'clock. We would love for you to come and be a part of that. A trunk or treat is going to be connected to it at around 4.30, and so we need all the trunks and, and treats that you want to, uh, want to bring, and come on, and we'll be out here uh, in the backfield and in the parking lots there, and so we want you to come and enjoy and be a part of that. It's a great time of year, my favorite time of year. I love the fall. It, it's a wonderful, man, it's a wonderful time, and, and it feels like things are, 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 just, are just ripe, you know? It feels like things are back the way they should be because the Braves are going to the World Series, right? Isn't that awesome? Now, I was hoping I was going to be able to say today things are back the way they should be because Tennessee beat Alabama. And then the second quarter rolled around, and then it just went down from there. But hey, next year, next year, is, uh, it's coming. It is. It's coming. You know, we are all on a journey together. We're on a journey, and we're trying to, we're trying to discover life as it was meant to be. And what I, what I, one of the things I love about our God is that, is that God says, why don't, why don't you just let me show you that life? You see, our God has promised to guide us to our best life. That, that's his desire. He wants to carry us there and to show us this is what life can truly be like. But our problem is, I believe that we are afraid to do life with God because we are concerned that life is, well, we're concerned that life is going to be boring. And so a few weeks ago, I asked you if your discipleship was more monotonous than adventurous. And I, I acknowledge that we normally don't talk about following Jesus and use adventure terms. I mean, too many times we've been taught, I believe, that faith means that we agree to a certain set of, of beliefs and truths about Jesus and the church, rather than choosing to follow our leader into the great unknown and to take our stand there against the enemy and pursue holiness with all-out abandon. Christianity through the years has been marketed as facts to be believed as opposed to an adventure to be lived. And, and so then we have individuals wondering, well, what's life about? And where is life? And, and we go searching in all kinds of different directions. And I think you can look around in our society and culture and you see kind of the, well, you see the result of chasing life that has no God. But essentially, Christianity has been presented as, 
as just being able to present information and then transfer that from one person to, to another. And so we come to church and we learn that Ruth was a Moabite and that Paul took three missionary journeys and we discover that the Bible is written in, in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and, and then all this information is passed along and we say, all right, now let's get behavior modification out of it. Here's the information that you need about God. Here's what you need to know about the church. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should not do. Now, go live. Go out and, and do good. And it's kind of been marketed as, as good news. Know the right thing. Do the right thing. Because this is life. The problem is that the information that is presented could not be more distant from or more irrelevant to our deepest desires. And so is it any surprise then when we're not all excited and fired up by a bunch of trivia or rules and we begin to feel oftentimes that we're just not spiritual enough? Because if I was more spiritual, I would really get into to, to digging deeper maybe into all of these things that others talk about when I come to church. And so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I shared with you how, how that is my opinion that this is why churches are struggling to engage younger generations so I want you to think about it just for a minute. Does knowing church organization, does that satisfy a 13-year-old girl's need for significance and acceptance? Does memorizing the, the kings of Israel and Judah quench a college student's thirst for forgiveness or point hope in the future? How, how does praying a specific number of times in a specific order or singing in a certain style at assemblies and gatherings such as this one free a young man of of the guilt that he has from his pornography addiction. Guys, our children are dying in a culture of narcissistic self-indulgence. They're being told that their gender is fluid and that their worth is based on their achievement and that their future is ominous and, and bleak. And that's why we said that the church is going to have to stop peddling merely just knowledge and, and ministry models because these do not speak to the desires of the soul. Instead, the church must offer rest and rescue freedom and forgiveness, acceptance and accountability. The church needs to be able to present meaning and mission. The church has to be able to, to speak to humanity's desire or risk becoming more and more irrelevant within our culture. The church must be viewed as offering life and that life being this great adventure with God. It's why Jesus said, look, I've come, I've come to give you life and to give it to you at its fullest extent. See, the truth of the matter is, generation after generation is saying, I'm just going to take my chances out there because I'm not finding life in here. So across America, and this, this statistic may shock some of you, seven out of every ten adults under the age of 40 are not affiliated with the church community. How many people do we have in the room today under the age of 40? If you're under the age of 40, just stand up for a minute. If you're under the age of 40. Hey, it is great to see you guys here. Can I say that? Hey, it is great. In fact, I'm just going to give you a round of applause for being here. Right? You need that. All right, have a seat just a minute. I wanted you to stand up, and I wanted you to see that. Because you need to understand something, church. The individuals who are here under the age of 40, they are not the norm within our society. 
And they have made a choice to be here this morning within a community of God in order to hear more about the message of God so that they can live out a life that is more in keeping and looks more like God. And they need to be praised for that. And they need to be lifted up and built up because this is not the same choice that many of their peers are making. But understand, and our people are, I guess, proof of this. Studies show that, that these individuals, they are not anti-spirituality. Almost 70% consider themselves spiritual. But they are anti-Christianity as practiced by many that they see around them. The younger generations are not really rejecting the church so much as they are rejecting the life that the church has called them to. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. The church wants the younger generations to show up on Sundays, volunteer when they can, and give or tithe just like their parents or grandparents have done. But that bar is too low, and it doesn't speak to the desire of their soul. These younger generations are extremely idealistic, and they want to change, and they want to see that change on a global scale. They want a cause to fight for and a community to belong to. They have come of age during a time of social and spiritual and economic upheaval, and they are no longer content to keep the status quo. They want to live in a world that, that is shaped better than the one in which they have found. And they have little patience with individuals or institutions that stand in their way. Their heroes are people who think outside the box and who relentlessly pursue their passions in life regardless of the circumstances. They are not motivated by finding security in life, unlike their, their parents and their grandparents. Instead, they are motivated by making a difference. An intelligence group survey found that 64% of millennials, that's the mid-30s and then those down into their mid-20s, 64% of millennials say they would rather make $40,000 a year at a job that they love than $100,000 a year at a job that they think is boring. Now, for parents and grandparents out there, we have a hard time understanding that, right? Because our life has been all about security and, and trying to provide for family and trying to set ourselves up with a nest egg and being able to, to set things up for the future. But for those who are under 40, they're like, we want to live and live now and we want to make a difference in this world. And it's not about the security. It's about the difference. What is my life's purpose and how am I going to make an impact in the world? It's what the younger generations are asking. So think about this. Why are the most cause-oriented generations in the world neglecting the most cause-oriented organization in the world, the church. You thought about that? Could it be because we have taken the greatest cause ever and we have watered it down to attending an event? Merely showing up on Sunday and inviting all your friends to come is just really not that compelling to those under the age of 40. And let's be honest, to some of those who are over the age of 40, it's not that compelling either. We have a generation that is basically saying, send me, I'll go. And the church is replying, no, wait, stay here, come and be with us. Young adults and teenagers, I don't think are ignoring church because they're being asked to do too much. They are ignoring church because we have called them to do too little. We have. The world gives a young adult much larger responsibilities in the church. Think about this. Today, if a young person joins the, joins the military, they are entrusted with a lethal weapon on a foreign soil. 
Likewise, if a younger person joins a nonprofit, they might be allowed to run an entire program overseas. But what when the, happens when the young person joins the church? What responsibilities do we give to them? You can be on our parking team. And look, I love our parking team. But it doesn't really rate with the idea of being able to make a difference in the world. The world is saying, let's go right now. And the church too often times is saying, slow down and wait. See, I believe the church is the right place in which to find life, but the church has the wrong urgency. And I believe that the world is the wrong place to find life, but the world has the right urgency. You know, a lot of times our younger adults have been given a bad rap and they've been called lazy. I don't think it's that they're lazy. I just think that younger adults are uninspired. Look, look at the time and money that they spend volunteering and in the way in which they participate in community events and projects. Friends, the younger generations have not been turned away from church because they do not accept our message. The younger generations have turned away from church because the church has turned away from the mission of God. And instead of in, in inviting people to some, to some exciting and demanding adventure, the same adventure that Jesus called his disciples to, we invite them to join this club and maintain the status quo. We have called millennials and the Generation Z to join the church, but we have failed to call them to follow after Jesus Christ. We have failed to call them into their best life. And so what can we do to realign with our mission and have a greater impact on the lives of today's younger generations. Well, let's talk about a couple of things together. First, we're going to need to spend more time with Jesus. You think, well, man, that sounds, sounds pretty basic, right? We're going back to the basics a little bit this morning. We're told in Mark chapter 3 that Jesus appointed 12, that he called apostles, and he called them to him so that they might be with him. And that word with there, it implies that there's going to be a change. There's an intentionality. There, it looks and points to a future result. You see, for three years, they walked beside Jesus. For three years, they shared meals with Jesus. They listened to the messages of Jesus. And they asked him questions. They, they watched as he, as he dealt with hurting souls and haughty preachers. They received a master's class in kingdom living. And I think it's time for us to return to, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John and immerse ourselves in the words that are written and read. We must rediscover Jesus' personality. We must, again, connect with his passion and with his purpose. We need to start walking again the dusty roads of Palestine, not merely to memorize events or stories, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, where his thoughts then become our thoughts, his ways, our ways. His mission, our mission. Now look, I want you to understand, I'm not merely suggesting that, that you or that we commit to another yearly reading of the Bible or becoming involved in a small group. All these things are well and good, but we cannot expect someone to become like Jesus if all we ever ask them to do is to come to classes, sit in a pew, and remain quiet while someone else teaches them about Jesus. You know, listening to pastors and teachers, it's always going to be a part of the Christian journey. I mean, after all, Jesus did a lot of teaching. But we need to remind ourselves that teaching is not the only thing that Jesus did. 
The majority of Jesus' teachings were not delivered in grand sermons, but in, in daily interactions and conversations. Things that he said and did with his disciples along the way. Things that they would never have known about unless they had been with him, living life with him. In the Greek language, the literal meaning of discipleship is being a student. But in the first century, that first century understanding of student is something that's very foreign to our 21st century ears. Today, a student is someone that shows up at a specific time in a specific place and in order to get a specific message from a specific person. But in the ancient world, in the ancient world, a student hung on every word of his teacher, the words that were said all during the day. The student would follow the teacher everywhere, walking close enough so that the dust that was coming up off the sandals of the teacher's feet would then cover the student who was right there at the footsteps. They slept outside the door of the teacher at night. And the whole purpose was not just so that they could hear what the teacher was saying, but so that they could mimic the things that the teacher was doing, so that they could become more like him. You see, we need to spend more time with Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus. The church should be known as Jesus imitators. It's why the Apostle Paul encouraged first century Christians, look, I want you to imitate me. Why? Because I'm imitating Jesus. I'm living my life the way Jesus lived his life. I'm trying to speak like Jesus. I'm trying to have the mission of Jesus. And church, this is our mission. Be and encourage others to be imitators of Jesus Christ. And that means that we imitate his compassion for the sick and for the needy. We imitate his joy for life. We imitate his kindness for the sinful. We imitate his patience for his friends. We imitate his forgiveness for his enemies. We imitate his frustration for religious hypocrisy. We imitate his faith and we imitate his focus. We imitate the way that he served and the way that he prayed. We imitate his love for the scripture and his dependence on the spirit. We've forgotten, I believe, that following Jesus is active as opposed to passive. We watch we learn. And guess what? Then he expects us to go and do. I love how Jesus is presented in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 36. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. See, he taught. He proclaimed the good news, it says, of the kingdom. And then it says that he healed every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus' followers, they heard his teaching. They witnessed his healing. They experienced his compassion. And after this, Jesus didn't send them home. He didn't send them to O'Charlie's. He didn't send them anywhere except out. And he said, go, do, make disciples. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. It says in chapter 10 and verse 1, right after what we just read, calls his disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Remember, we started in Mark chapter 3 where he calls those together, calls them apostles, it says, so that he might send them out. And the rest of the verse says to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
Jesus sent his followers out with a mission, a message, and a ministry, expecting that they were going to go out and confront evil and pain and, and hurt, and that they were actually going to do something about it. That was why they were his disciples, after all. I think we've just asked too little of our people. I think we've asked too little of our people through the years. And as a result, we have accomplished too little in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities. Friends, we need to do more sending and less sitting. The knock on many Christians in, in many churches is they don't look very much like the teacher that they claim to know. If we want to gain a hearing with those who are not connected to church, then we're going to have to spend more time with Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. And then, well, then we go and encourage others to do the same. Just before Jesus left the earth, he looked into the faces of the men and the, the women whom he had loved and taught and trained, and he told them, look, go and encourage others. Go and encourage others to live the way that I have shown you how to live. He said, go. Make disciples. Make students. Make followers. And here's the bottom line for us. The church's mission is not to go make an impact. And it's not to go be a champion for social justice. It is not to feed more people. It is not to go build more churches. It's not to participate in more gatherings. The church's mission is to go and make imitators of Jesus. To go and make disciples. And here's the awesome thing. You go and make disciples and all those other things that I just mentioned, well, it all comes along with it. You show me a church that is making disciples and I will show you a church that is making an impact in its community. Show me a church that's making disciples of Jesus and I will show you a church that is a champion of social justice. You show me a church that is making disciples of Jesus and I'll show you a church that is feeding and caring for people. I'll show you a church that is planting other congregations, starting other small groups. You show me a church that is serious about making disciples and I'll show you a church that is serious about gathering together to encourage one another. You show me a church that is serious about disciple making and I'll show you a church and that looks a lot like Jesus. I think we just need to stop treating the Great Commission as if it's a great suggestion. Jesus' final word should be our church's first priority. Every disciple has a message, and every disciple has a ministry. There's a life that we have been called to. It is a life of adventure. It is a life of carrying the message of Jesus. It is... It is a life that God says will open up all kinds of doors and opportunities. There's a prayer of Jesus that's recorded for us in John chapter 17. And there Jesus says, This is the way to eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to earth. Friends, the closer a person is to Jesus, the closer a person is to life. It's why when you walk around our campus now, you'll see up on the walls, you'll see these framed posters that say, our mission is to move others closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe that's where true life is found. 
You see, the purpose of a millennial's life is the same as every other person's life in the world, to know God and to make him known. You see, in other words, you take the great commandment, love God, love others, and you add that to the great commission, and you go and you go and you live like Jesus, and you encourage others to do the same. See, we have individuals who are in our society who are hungry for movement. They want to change the world. And we need to introduce them to the only real movement that there has ever been. And the change that comes through setting up Jesus Christ in the center of the marketplace and saying this is where true life is found. You know, connecting with those under 40 is more difficult today than in previous seasons of life. And all of our churches are struggling. Everybody's trying to, to answer the question and, and, and figure it out and unlock the puzzle. And it's true that there are trends and, and fashions that, that can sometimes make a difference, but like all trends and fashions, there's a shelf life. There's a shelf life. They have to be adjusted for the next generation and then, and then more adjustments for the next. But here's the thing. Jesus will always be relevant. And being like Jesus will always be impactful. And so spend time with Jesus. Become more like Jesus. Go and encourage others to do the same. But friends, there's got to be a renewed intentionality and there has to be a renewed sense of urgency with this mission. Because we can't just assume that opening up some doors and putting up a sign is somehow going to impact these next generations for Jesus Christ. We've got to be resilient. And so that got me thinking about that got me thinking about our church softball team. Um, some of you might not even know that we have a church softball team, right? We hurriedly assembled and put together a group of guys uh, right before the deadline to play softball at uh, Camp at Camp Jordan. And I've got to apologize to all the ladies. I did say we put together a group of guys. I made the mistake and did not get us in the co-ed league. I'm sorry, didn't realize that was going to be an option at the time. So that was my that was my bad. Um. And so we got in this league, and uh, we had a perfect season. We lost every game. <laughs> I mean, we really lost. <laughs> it, it, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't close, um, ever. And the way that Camp Jordan sets this up, they let you play two games a night just to make sure you get beat good. You know, losing one time isn't enough. No, we have to show up for the second whooping. Uh, and, um, and, but we did. We kept showing up. I mean, every Monday night, we just kept on, we just kept on um, showing up. And we did. We lost every single, we lost every single game. And now, at the conclusion of the season, though, there was this, there was a tournament. You know, they decided to have an end-of-the-season tournament just, again, to remind everybody who the good teams are and who the bad teams are. And so this past uh, Monday night, the team showed up, prepared to take another loss, and then just to, um, then to call it quits. But a strange thing happened. The team won the game. <laughs> they did. Lost every game during the season, showed up, and won the game. Now this tells you, though, this tells you how they were not used to winning because at the end of the game, the team just walked out to the parking lot, and they had to be chased down and told, no, 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 you won. You get to play again in the tournament. <laughs> they were like, Oh, 
Really? Okay, that's what happens. Okay. All right. And so they were calling people out of the parking lot, you know, come back to the field. We got to play. We got to play another game. And, and so the second game began, and, and at the end of the second inning, the team was losing by 17. That was more like it. But then a strange thing happened. They got hit after hit after hit, and they scored run after run after run, and they won again. They did. And so guess what that meant? They got to play another game. Yeah, they got to play another game. And so they had game number three, and by this time, the team was just delirious. I mean, they were like, it was getting late, and they were like, we won. Can't we just go and celebrate? You know, don't keep us around just to remind us of our losing ways, right? And so they played a third game. Guys, they won the third game. And so then the game's over, and they're going out and, you know, giving high fives, going to have a prayer with the other team that, that was there. And, and they begin to walk off the field, and this lady comes off and says, no, 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 no wait. Don't leave yet. You just won the tournament. Yeah. And I know it's hard to believe. And so if you don't have a picture, it didn't happen, right? They won the championship at the tournament. Can you believe that? <laughs> and uh, so when, when I got the text message, I got the text late Monday night. And it was basically just this picture. And I thought, oh, that's funny. You know, they went and grabbed somebody's plaque and got together. And were like, hey, let's send this to Chris because, because this will be real funny, right? You know, we'll send him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, ha, 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 ha. And, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's really good. And then I found out that they won. Now, now here's why this is important about me getting the text, um, you know, and, and, and the picture and everything. Guess who didn't show up for the game? <laughs> there was a meeting here at church that I was a part of. Guess who showed up at all the other games that we lost? <laughs> Do the math now. Just go ahead and, and figure that out, right? Yeah. And so I thought, oh, they're just being funny. No, the preacher didn't show up, and they went undefeated in the tournament, right? <laughs> I can't make this up. This, 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 this really happened. Now, um, I, I, want, I, I, want to bring these, I want to bring these guys up here, though, for, for a reason. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to use them for something here just a minute as we close everything out. Hey, if you participate in the softball team, uh, come on up here to the stage just a minute. A lot of you wore your, wore your jerseys. They were excited. They were like, we are the champions. We are wearing the jerseys. Steven's got his plaque with him, right? <laughs> I mean... Tim, you played. Come on. Yeah, you know, you played. He was at all the losing games as well. Tim was at the losing games also. That's right. Tim played. Derek, you were out there for a game. Come on. No, come on. Yep, got to come. Come on. And I'm looking. I don't know if Calvin is here tonight or not. But if you look at the very back of that picture, you'll see a Kansas City cap on. All right? Guys, Calvin is 70, and he's out there playing softball with all of these, as you look, people under 40. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, you need to give Calvin, and, and he, here's why Calvin's out there. Calvin plays softball so that he can meet the younger generations within our church family, and so that he can do different things uh, with, with them. 
And I, I bring these guys up here to tell you, look, it is going to be harder in the seasons to come to be able to connect with individuals who are under the age of 40. And there are going to be a lot of times that we lose and we strike out and we do not make the connection that we are deaf, so trying hard to make. But I wanted you to see these individuals who are under 40 and I wanted you to know it can be done. It can be done. We can live like Jesus, and we can present Jesus, and we can share the message of Jesus, and those who are under the age of 40 will respond to that. We have proof of that. It's not just these guys who have their shirts on and stuff. Their wives came out to, uh, to watch. We had girlfriends you know, that, that were coming out, and you saw all the others who were under the age of 40. We have a great group that's here, but guess what? We need more to be here. And in order to have more here, we need to spend more time with Jesus. And we need to become more like Jesus in the way that we're living outside of these walls. And then we need to go and encourage others to live like Jesus. Because every once in a while, we're going to have those moments. And there's going to be victories. And it's going to be a week after a week and a month after a month and a year after a year. And we're going to look back and say, you know what? We went through a period of time where it seemed like we just could not connect with anybody in these younger generations, but we didn't give up and we kept showing up and we kept working hard and we kept spreading the message and we kept living like Jesus and we trusted that if you bring Jesus and lift him up in the marketplace, that he will draw people to him. And that is what we as a church are going to do. I'm thankful for our softball team and it was great that we had that victory, but I'm even more thankful for this church and for the way that you have in the past poured into those who are younger than you and for the way that you will continue to do the same because church we have a mission to be a part of and there is an adventurous life that we are calling everyone to go out and live and in the name of Jesus Christ we must go and make disciples and I pray that you will join all of us in that. Will you join me in prayer? Please stand as we pray to God. Father, we praise you today for we praise you today for sending Jesus into this world in order to be a sacrifice for sin. We praise you for calling us to life, realizing that we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, realizing that, that we were pursuing things that were killing our soul. And so we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you then for the spirit that you have poured into us. And Father, I just pray that that spirit, your spirit, would re-energize us once again so that we might remember the mission and the, the message and the ministry and what we are supposed to be about. Father, allow us to spend more time, yes, in your word, being reminded of, of who Jesus was and what he did and the things that he said. But Father, allow that information to transform us and may we imitate that and may we be seen as being people who have been with Jesus. May that how we be, be how we are known. And Father, I pray that we would share that message and we would encourage others to, to give your son a chance and to give you an opportunity to impact their life. Father, let us call people to life because that is what you have given to us. Father, I'm grateful for every single generation that's a part of this church family and for those who have poured into each one, for the grandparents who are here, for the parents, for, for the children, for all of those who are a part, who have heard the message of your son and who have responded to it. But Father, we know that there is more. We know that there are more who need to hear this message. And Father, we are the ones that you are depending on to share it. 
But let's not just share it in words. Let's share it in deeds and in actions. Let's share it in the same way that Jesus shared. Father, thank you for the blessings that you have poured out upon this church body. Help us to move others closer to a life-restoring relationship with you. May it be our mission. May it be our life. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for coming up and for playing. And again, for all the ladies that wanted to play, we're going co-ed in the spring, all right? We're going co-ed in the spring. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I want you to know that as we close out, I know uh, Derek has a um, song and some other things that he's going to um, share to kind of let, let you know about. We want you to know that every time that we come together, we, we love to talk to people about Jesus Christ. And so we want you to know that in our prayer room, it's located just off in our lobby, that we're going to have one of our elders who will be there, who will have an opportunity to talk with you privately about anything that you've heard today, expressing the message, anything that, that moved you during our worship time, anything that might have been on your mind. We'd love to have the opportunity to talk with you, to pray with you. And so as we close out this morning, if you'd like to go and, and to be there in the prayer room, we want to give you that opportunity. We don't forget all the different things that are going on. We've got a, um, I think there's a wedding shower uh, for um, uh, the workmen's coming up. Uh, that's going to be this afternoon. We've got our um, trunk or treat that will be going on with our fall celebration starting at, at 3, going to 5, bring all the kids and everything. A great time to be together. It's going to be really good. Just a great day, guys. It's an awesome day. Thanks so much for being here, Derek. Tell everybody about the shirt that you're wearing and then sing us out. It's been great to be here. All right.